It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson right here. Painter Sharpless over there. Hello, Painter. Howdy. All right, Painter, you are, uh, as we would say when we were in radio, you are out on assignment. You you are the Auburn Observer hitting the road this week. Uh, how, are, how are we doing? You had a long trip ahead of you. Uh, you've, you've had a lot of time to pregame for this episode. A great way of pretending like I'm doing something. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes, on the road in God's country, Illinois. And, you know, I took my Adderall for the first time in a long time. That stuff works. We are pro Adderall on this podcast. There you go. Oh my God. I was driving between the lines like you would not believe, Ferd. <laughs> you look like a fighter pilot. <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> very aggressive in the U-Haul. <laughs> we appreciate you guys listening. We're a day later uh, than usual because of uh, the Easter holiday. I hope everybody had a great Easter weekend uh, with your friends and your family and however you were able to enjoy it, uh, that you did it safely. Here and uh, good news for those of us who are in the state of Alabama. I know Georgia is already underway with this, and some other states. Some people who are listening to it Monday, you know, as of today, anybody over the age of sixteen or sixteen or older, I should say, in the state of Alabama can sign up to get their uh, to get their COVID nineteen vaccine. So shout out to that. That's gonna be it's gonna be really good to hear about more people uh, get, getting that shot. Let's get a little bit more uh, closer to having you know full Jordan Hare Stadium this fall, maybe full Auburn Arena. Folks, I want you breathing in each other's mouths at tailgates, all right? I want you sharing cups, playing games that involve substances, all right? right? And we can only do this if we're all healthy. We can only do these debaucherous acts if we're all taking care of one another. Get those shots. Get your stab. Get them shots up, baby. Um, <laughs> yes, Painter's going to come up with a game, a tailgate game this uh, this offseason that involves Adderall. So you want to be able to play it. <laughs> 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 yeah, you want to be able to join join Painter with that. Uh, but again, like we say, appreciate everybody listening to here, uh, recording this on Sunday night. Uh, you'll be hearing this on Monday morning. This is a big week coming up for Auburn football. They return from their off week, their their mini spring break or pseudo spring break, so to speak. Um, big week for us who get to talk about and, and cover these teams because Monday, or later on today when you're listening to this, uh, we will talk to uh, all the position coaches on offense, and then a couple of days later, all the position coaches on defense for the first time. Another player availability on Friday. Got another open practice window and talking to Brian Harson on Saturday. So big week coming up for Auburn football. So we're going to have a ton of Auburn football stuff throughout these next couple of weeks. However, this podcast, as it's coming out before we get back into the swing of things with football, we have got a lot of basketball to talk about in April, Painter. All right, this has nothing to do with Auburn, but I feel like we've got mm-hmm. to discuss. We've got to discuss your Zags. Jalen Suggs oh my is, God. Is, is one of my favorite players ever now. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am a Gonzaga fan. I became a Gonzaga <laughs> fan when I was a kid just because I kind of gravitated towards them in their early title runs, and I don't know. I just I thought they were cool. I really liked Adam Morrison when I was growing up. So I've always kind of been a, been a fan, fan of Gonzaga, and they have gone supernova these th- these last couple of years, especially this season. I became a Golden State Warriors fan when they drafted Steph Curry because I liked him coming out of Davidson as well. Um, you know, just a dude, a little dude who could shoot, and and, and he was really fun to watch at Davidson. I'm sensing a theme here that you like schools that are not necessarily, although both of those schools now have a bigger profile than they once oh, yeah. did. Definitely not your blue blood type. Although Gonzaga, yeah. for, I mean, I guess they are Gonzaga's about Gonzaga's a blue blood now, but yeah, I mean, given how consistent they've become, I've always kind of gravitated for some of these mid major teams. So I'm a Warriors fan because of Steph Curry, because Steph Curry it was just wherever he was going to get drafted, ended up being the Warriors. They were horrible for a little while at the beginning, and then it kind of really. Uh, hit its stride there in the middle. And I appreciate right now, you setting kind of up horrible. being like, hey, I didn't jump on the bandwagon no. in like 15, just so you right. know, like I know a little <laughs> bit about this franchise. Right. They're horrible now, but you know, there's a lot of reasons <laughs> They'll rebound. They're, they're yeah. going to be fine. Hopefully they'll rebound. We need Clay back desperately. But I, I said it on, on, on Twitter, uh, even before the shot uh, on Saturday night, uh, whoever drafts Jalen Suggs is going to be my number two team in the NBA because this dude has been so much fun to watch. I, again, another thing I tweeted on Saturday, we were deprived of a Sharif Cooper Jalen Suggs matchup because that was supposed to be game two of the year. We did get we did get Sharif Cooper versus Davion Mitchell, which shout out to Davion winning national defensive player of the year. He'll get to play for a national title later this evening. Um, but uh, man, I mean, Cooper and Suggs, I mean, those were 
then it was like Cooper Suggs and, and Cade Cunningham, like the, the elite, elite freshman point guards in college basketball this season. Uh, we had a shot to, to, to see Suggs and, and, and Cooper go head to head. And of course, the NCAA foiled us. Look, I'm not serious enough to say that it's going to change the outcome of the game. Gonzaga beat the hell out of just about everybody, but that's part of what made the UCLA game so fun. UCLA managed to keep it close. And then to your point, regardless of the score, you potentially watching two lottery picks play and the NCAA just made up reasons as to why that shouldn't happen. So I was hitting that buzzer beater. By the way, UCLA, good Lord. Oh shout out to, God. shout out to, shout out to Dan Peck of the Dan Peck radio network and his <laughs> UCLA Bruins. Cause we were talking on Saturday. We were like, I don't know if UCLA can could score enough to keep up with Gonzaga, and they hit so many mid range jumpers in the in this game. Johnny Juzang, phenomenal tournament. Hats off to him. You know they had several players really step it up. I mean they threw everything they had at Gonzaga. Came down to the very end, and it was a it was a very fortunate bank at the end of the game. But do one you think of the he called bank doesn't matter. But do you think he called it? Because when his celebration led me to believe that he thought it at least looked like it lined up nicely, yeah. the way he, he thought it ran he, after. He thought he got it dead on, which he did, and he just like he overshot it, but just by enough so that it, that it would hit backboard instead of back rim. One of the best college basketball games I've ever seen. That was my thought. I was like, I've I ever seen. A prisoner of the moment, but I was like, that. I mean, there can't be half phenomenal. a dozen games that were better than that from start to finish. Yeah, phenomenal basketball game. Hope the Zags can pull it out tonight and win the national title. But Baylor's going to be tough. Baylor has been firing really on all cylinders recently, uh, and, and yeah, we get Auburn. Auburn's two teams, they're big two teams that play in the non-conference. I was going to look it up. I might end up looking it up later. I wonder if there's ever been a time where Auburn has played both teams that have ended up playing for the national title in the same season. That goes to show just how brutal that schedule was for Bruce Pearl and his team this year. But yeah, Gonzaga Baylor later on uh, later on tonight. I, I was, I'm happy. And uh, yeah, I'll still be very proud of this team and, and happy to be a fan if they don't pull it off tonight and 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 complete the the unbeaten season and, and Baylor would be a very worthy champion of course that at least uh, at least I always have that final four game in that memory switching over we can, to, move, we, we can move on but also just want to mention the the thing that people are talking about with Suggs also besides of course the shot would be the block and bounce back oh, sequence just mad respect one of the best assists <laughs> um, from, from a college player I've seen in a while. I mean, again, like I said, him and Sharif, uh, just a passing contest. That would have been, been amazing to watch. Switching over to Auburn. Uh, the big news of the weekend, the big news since the last time we talked to you, is the news that Sharif Cooper is uh, indeed heading into the NBA draft, and he has retained an agent. I'm guessing the agent will be his father. Um, <laughs> and um, he, uh, he, he will not be back at Auburn next season. This was kind of the way things were leaning for the last couple of weeks. You know, right after the season ended, it was like maybe 50-50. You see, start seeing some pieces fall other ways where it was like, you know, Justin Powell's gone and it might be clearing the deck a little bit. Cooper's stock had kind of taken a hit uh, from NBA draft people, um, you know, because he wasn't playing at his best right before his injury. Tailed off a little bit from that awesome start he had, which, I mean, only 12 games, but they were... 12 phenomenal games as a whole. And then when you saw Auburn over the last couple of weeks, not just going after point guards that were depth pieces, but guys who would probably end up being starters. I think the big tell was when Xavier Pinson and that interest in Auburn from, from Auburn was really, really high. Getting in the mix again for Ty Ty Washington, some guys we'll talk about here in a moment, that kind of seemed more and more likely that, that Cooper wouldn't be back next year. Yeah, I mean, it's yet another thing that I've been wrong about. I tried to speak it into existence, didn't happen, but I don't even know if there's much more I can add about this situation. It seems like he believes he can creep up into the lottery. I won't be surprised if it happens. No. Obviously, I'm a biased party, but I do think he's one of the more interesting prospects in all of the draft this year because of no. what you just mentioned. He played at a stellar rate for the dozen games he played in. Yeah. He's injured, and so, you know, we overanalyze all these things in drafts. What does this injury mean? It's like, well, you know, it might just be an injury. But, you know, he's small, too, so people are going to read into this. I am fascinated, one, from the Auburn perspective of what does this look like? Does Bruce Pearl have another lottery pick? And, of mm -hmm. course, we can probably get into this, but it's like, all right. I mean, I know people are disappointed he's leaving, but, ladies and gentlemen, Chuma, Isaac, and perhaps now another lottery pick with Sharif, it's like this is starting to turn into something. Yeah, they've never had they never had back to back first rounders until last year. Now they could have easily have three in a row. We'll see what happens with JT Thor as well. 
again, like we said a couple of weeks ago, this just feeds itself, right? You know, if 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 Auburn can produce first round draft picks from dudes who weren't necessarily expected to be first round draft picks, not not this quickly at the very least, that's a really really good sign for Auburn for Auburn basketball. I mean, that, well, look at that it this is, way, Berg. I mean, you're talking job. about Chuma, who was what a four star, and then Isaac, who was as well, I believe. But Isaac was a little bit ahead of Chuma, if I'm remembering that correctly. And then mm-hmm. Sharif comes in and he's your highest rated player until Jabari. Yep. But like Sharif was what, somewhere around the 20s? I mean, as a yeah. consent, I mean, like, and now you've got Jabari. If Sharif becomes a lottery pick, Chuma and Isaac well outshot what they were probably projected as around the time of their senior year of high school. And people- and people weren't thinking Sharif was going to be a one and done. Exactly. What does that mean if Pearl continues this trend with what the best player and a top five player in high school? It's it's ridiculous, honestly, to to think about the potential coming in, especially for a guy like uh, like Jabari Smith. And we'll get to Jabari here here later because there was some there was some developments about him this weekend, some good ones, some positive ones for Auburn's perspective. Sharif is is fascinating because I don't think there I don't think I've ever seen as talented of a passer and playmaker as a freshman especially at the SEC level, than him. He does have unbelievable strengths for his age. He also has very noticeable gaps in his game right now that can be developed because he's still young and, and there's plenty of time for him to get better. He's not the best defender in the world. Everybody know, knows that. He's not an efficient jump shooter. Everybody knows that. Teams kind of knew how to get physical and rough him up a little bit. But still, got a really high ceiling He's a very talented player, and it's just a tough break for Auburn that, you know, it was the double whammy this year of him not being eligible for a full year. And on top of that, this NCAA thing still hanging over Auburn's head that they don't feel like they're out of the woods with, you know, the Chuck Person situation. They felt compelled to sit out of, of you know, the the regular season or the, sorry, the postseason, bring that postseason man in. And so it's tough. But in 12 games, he, he he put on a show, and he was really, really fun to watch. And I'm going to be very interested to see how Sharif handles Auburn moving forward. Is he going to be a guy that, that comes back? Is he going to be a guy that promotes you know Auburn that is a, that is a fan on, on social media? Is he going to be a guy that, that, that kind of embraces Auburn even if it's a short amount of time? I like to think so, Ferg. I really I, I do too. I really do too. Because of the nonsense that he got dealt with the NCAA and because of the injury and, and, you know, Auburn just had a disappointing season, no matter how you strike it up, people were, were high on him from start to finish. And some of that is selfish because we're fans. He was a really talented player and no one could deny that. And so everybody wanted to watch him play, but you know, I do hope that he feels like Auburn fans had his back. And I generally think that the response from the fan base was positive when he decided to, to declare. Now, I'll also say it does help, in my opinion, that it felt like it was trending this way for a while. And so mm-hmm. it didn't just show up on your timeline. Right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a surprise. I don't think anybody really would have been shocked by it because, you know, as we thought it would have been 50-50. I mean, just the things are kind of pointing towards that over the last couple of weeks with the amount of big name point guard options that Auburn was pushing after in the portal and in high school in the case of, uh, of Ty Ty Washington, because, well, you got to have one, and you can't really wait around. And so um, I, think that's a, I think that's something that he must – I think he is, because one of the things I keep going back to is, is something that Bruce said during the season. It was like, you know, Sharif not being cleared, he could have bailed. He could have just been like, all right, bye. You know, if I ain't playing this full year and we're not going to the postseason, what am I doing here? All right, I'll just go. I'll just go somewhere I've seen else. Plenty of players in, I think, this sport and certainly in football recently, when guys have been injured, that just decided to start preparing for the draft. Yeah, Australia. And, you know, I mean, you can go to play, go play in Australia. Play. Yeah, that was the report the ESPN had as soon as the 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 news broke that he wasn't going to be eligible for the start of the season. Like, well, he's over. He's looking at overseas options, and like, well, he didn't leave. He stayed, and not everybody would have done that. He practiced, you know, up until that point, and then he sat out for so long, and then came back. And then he got hurt, and it didn't. He didn't end the way he wished he could have, obviously. But I mean, the draft stock from the people who are in the know. And and again, I I, I hate to do this because I don't want to down people too much. But like again, when you look at NBA or and NFL draft stuff too, know who you're looking at, right? Know who 
is doing these mock drafts. Go to people who are trusted in the industry. Go to people who talk to team personnel and scouts. They're not just, you know, filling out, hey, this is, I mean, I could do an, a mock draft and put it up and I would have as much, you know, relevance to the situation as a lot of other people who put up mock drafts to get thousands and millions of clicks. But with people who, like, people like Jonathan Giveney at Draft Express and, you know, um, our, our, our buddy Sam Vecini at The Athletic, kind of that back of the lottery kind of projection for him mid first round. Um, I'm curious to see where he goes. I'm curious to see I mean, where he goes because like I think first round is going to be good either way. Yeah, I mean, first round is absolutely exceptional, right? Like there's just, there's no, but I, I do think there's a difference in the lottery and being a guy that's picked somewhere in the twenties, you know, it's a little bit more of a risk and a gamble. A team likes your upside for instance, but I'm curious, like, does he, and I think he does, like, does he think he's got a team that's really interested or that he has a real chance yeah. of being taken in the lottery? And my guess is probably yes. if he's making this decision. I, I would think so. And, and one of the reasons I think about it is this, his dad is really, really well connected yeah. in, in basketball circles. Like he's going to make a really, really informed decision. His family is very well connected in a number of ways to professional basketball. So I think he's. I think he knows he's what he's doing. He's making the best decision for himself, right? Um, it would have made sense if he, come, if he comes back. If he came back, he could have added onto a stock. He could have like like all the reasons we said. There's a chance he could have been the first point guard off the board in, in 2022. Well, guess what? That's not going to happen because there's no guarantee that he would do that. What happens if you come back and get hurt for free? If you get, if you get hurt for free, that's that's really tough. And he just had this injury as well. So I think that's something that, that that we're gonna have to keep an eye on uh moving forward for Auburn. It's just, you know, this this whole like as they push ahead with their with their recruiting, um, you know, a lot of times people hate the one and done mentality. And you like you talk about the problems that this caused at Kentucky and at Duke and some of these other places where Kansas, where it's like it's not producing really elite go deep in the tournament kind of teams, right? But Auburn didn't go out like that. Like, it's not like Auburn. Like, Jabari Smith is probably their first one-and-done type of talent that they've ever recruited. Yeah, they've had one-and-done players, but, like, I don't think I've had – I didn't have the expectation of, of that for Chuma or certainly Isaac and now Sharif. Yeah, I don't like think that's Sharif either. And Chuma, right. and Chuma was there for two years. But even then, yeah, that's still that's, a crazy story because he was, he was well down the list. He was a four-star. He wasn't even a five-star. Almost found himself in the lottery with a bad <laughs> – with a bad injury. <laughs> with the t- knowing that he was going to have to take basically a red shirt his first year. And by the way, especially after that. they, yeah, he's doing really well right now. And they've kind of cleared the decks at, uh, at, at Orlando. Um, and kind of, they're going to build around that young talent and see, you know, how much they can add on to their, to their draft. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think, it, I think a dude like Jalen Suggs would be awesome in Orlando, by the way. Um, but it, it's, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch moving forward. And I think for Bruce Pearl, it's like you can come in and tell these guys, hey, you come here, you're going to be a better prospect, a lot better prospect than people thought when you came in. Like pretty, pretty across, pretty straight across, forward across the board. Like again, you can't take full credit for this at all. You can only take a little bit of it. But I mean, look at Davion Mitchell. This is a guy who came in and, you know, was behind Jared Harper. But, you know, Auburn saw something in him as a four-star guard, you know, and he he's probably a lottery pick. There's a good chance he's going to be a lottery pick. He just won National Defense Player of the Year at Baylor. Like we said, he's playing for a national title tonight. That's another kind of success story of that. And Auburn, and Auburn played a very small part, and he got a lot of that development, especially the offensive part of his game, when he was at Baylor under, under, under Scott Drew. But that's another thing. It's just like Auburn's got an eye for talent and, and, and you know, really developing these dudes. And now they're getting to – now they're getting more guys that everybody wants, like the Jabari Smiths of the world. Um, but I think Trey Alexander is a good example. You talk about dudes in the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, high four-star type of talent. What is he going to look like in a year or two, right? Because the the early returns look pretty dang good. And um, this was a uh, this was a tweet on Sunday from our from our buddy Pablo Escobarner on Twitter. I know he's listening. Um, he pointed out that. There was a high school three-point championship on CBS Sports Network on Sunday. Jabari made the finals and got in second, and Trey Alexander finished in third, but had the best round out of anybody. Look, Auburn fans want to see some more guys hit triples at a higher rate. You're going to get two dudes who can do it, 
these two these two dudes are dead eyes, and Jabari and Trey are both guys who can hit off the dribble. They can create their own shot. They're also good at mid range jumpers. But um, I mean, you want some want some three point firepower, especially after you lose Powell and Jamal Johnson. Here they come, and I think this is really really good news for for Auburn to see guys like that um, really put on a show right before they come to come to your school. That can only help you on a on a national stage. Excited about it. I'm curious. Maybe you want to get to this later, but one thing that I felt like Auburn did not have as much last year on top of the three-point shooting, which was talked about a lot, was someone who could create for themselves. I mean, I, I thought a lot about this past season. What would this team have looked like with Samir Dowdy back? And yeah. it seems like you, if I'm not mistaken, you wrote about this, that Jasper, even though we can talk about where he has some deficiencies in his game. I think that's going to get corrected for, as you also wrote, that his uh, usage rate will likely go down. And he wasn't a poor right. player in efficiency to begin with. Right. I, but I, my point is he can create for himself. And now I think you're going to get that also out of the two right. players you just mentioned. Plus what you also mentioned, another area that Auburn could have been a lot better at, shooting from behind the arc. Yeah, uh, in the... Uh subscribers got this story on, on Thursday last week of, you know, breaking down kind of Zeb Jasper's game. Um, one of the things that, that stands out about, about Zeb Jasper is that last season at college of Charleston, only 10% of his two point jumpers were, uh, off of assist and only 42% of his three point jumpers were off of assist. And those were, would by far the lowest marks on an Auburn team. If he was, if he was there, um, he 36% of his shots last season were two point jumpers. That's 10% more than any other player on the team. So like he's going to be a guy to kind of be a, a three level type of scorer um, and, and create off the dribble and Jabari Smith and Trey Alexander also add that to, to Auburn's game as well. And there, and there's more guys who could be coming in uh, that, that add on to that. And so you want to, you want to base your offense off of layups, free throws and three pointers, because those are the most efficient shots on the floor by, by a ton. Um, and, but I think we've seen throughout the NCAA tournament, we've seen some other UCLA teams do it. Great I mean, UCLA, UCLA, that was one of the best mid-range shooting performances I've seen from a college basketball team in a very long time. They were just knocking them down from everywhere, and it helps because then you have to make the defense adjust to it. Uh, they can't, they 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 can't, you know, selling out to that inside-out game like. Nate Oates has done it in Alabama, like Auburn did to an extent in that Final Four run. It has its advantages, and when it works, it really, really works. But when in your threes aren't quite as falling, or when you're facing the team that's really tough on the inside, can you kind of hit some of those in-between things to loosen loosen it up? Can you shoot off the dribble? Do you have to really rely on, you know, overly rely on your point guard to keep things going? That... I mean, if you can avoid that and become a more well-rounded offense, I think you're in a better spot, even if you want to still base your game off of, off of running and gunning. I don't have anything else that I can say that's better than that, my friend. So we talked about the point guard spot, and, and you know, you're bringing in Trey Alexander, you're bringing in Jabari Smith. Those are really good players, of course, and shooters. You still need a point guard. Auburn is in a spot where they need a point guard. Zep Jasper can play point guard. There is a scenario where he can up be in the point guard for Auburn next season, but he kind of – you know, the way Auburn's recruiting right now, it seems like you could be kind of that flexing kind of one and two kind of player for him, maybe either off the bench or in the starting lineup, but they're pushing after a starting point guard. As we were recording this uh, on Instagram, Xavier Pinson announced that he is down to four teams that he's choosing from as his transfer destinations. And, and, in, and that final four is Nebraska, Georgia, Arkansas, and Auburn. Interesting uh, way to order that there, but um, yeah. Man, it seems like Auburn is going after, and Arkansas, excuse me, together in tandem, I feel like Musselman and Pearl are going after a number of the same guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Eric Musselman, he's done it again. I mean, he got to, he got to the Elite Eight this way this year, just reload with transfers and keep it going because he's a really, really good coach, right? And really, really good coach. I mean, this dude coached in the NBA. He's been a high-level coach for a while. You know, he's Another got a system and a style that, you know, he doesn't have to base himself on continuity and, and consistency quite as much as, as, as other coaches do because, I mean, he's just, he's just really good at the X's and O's of this. Yeah, uh, he's a thorn in, in my side. I, have <laughs> I, am, uh, I, was, I was fine giving him praise before they started doing all the winning, yeah. and now it's annoying. 
you know, hey, he is a good coach. And like I just He's mentioned, a great coach. Him and Kirby, both with all that money, they still go to great clips. Yeah. Former former Golden State Warriors coach, by the way, too. Uh, Eric oh, Mason. so you got a little soft spot for him, huh? Yeah. Well, I think it was, he was a little before my time. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm interested in Xavier Pinson a lot because Pinson's not a knockdown shooter from outside, uh, but he's got a decent jumper. Uh, he he is tough on the inside. He he is an outstanding free throw shooter. Tough on the inside, gets there. Great defender. Um, is very smart. Uh, Missouri has been a really good defense and efficiency over the last several years and under under Conzo Martin. And um, yeah, man, like I, you could go from having and as as good as Sharif Cooper is, and and the twelve games he played, he was phenomenal. Don't. Don't go. Don't hear me say anything differently. But you could go from one of the most inexperienced and kind of tough break um, point guard situations in, in in the in the league last year to one of the best automatically because you got a dude who's done it for the last you know really the last three seasons in, at Missouri. He's been um, an All SEC type of player before. Be a great great pickup if you could get him. If he goes to Arkansas, which seems like the top competition, if he goes to Georgia, you know, you're going to have to go up against him. And that's going to be, that's going to be, you know, you're going to have to keep going at it like it was when it was Missouri. But like, you can see where he would fit in really, really well, um, you know, at, at Auburn. And um, I yeah, mean, just a few that experience that, factor, that experience factor yeah. just means so much. Yes, 100%. And like, there's a number of scenarios that I could see this working out for King Bruce, but the idea that you could go get Pinson, who you just mentioned, has all that experience and was a good player for a team that at one point was just outside the top 10. And this podcast puts some limitations on what rankings mean, but nonetheless, whatever. Uh, if you also go get Ty Ty Washington, which there have been some projections about Washington coming There was to one at Rivals. I accidentally uh, referred to it as a 247 projection. It was actually Rivals, so I apologize to, uh, to the people who were on both of those sites. Um, it was a rival's projection uh, rather recently at had, had Auburn getting tied tie. And and I know that there's some people that think right now the, the scoot noise is sort of yeah. in a position where it's like, hey, is that, is that simmering? Like, could he, could he end up coming in early? But if he doesn't, I'm cool with that. You laid out this, I think, nicely where it's like, all right, you get, if you get a guy like Pinson and or, then a guy who's almost a consistent yeah. star, yeah. and then you bring in Henderson, which, you know, it seems to be a matter of when, not if, for Henderson. It's like that is a really nice grouping mm-hmm. of guards over the next two seasons. Yeah, and if I, they want to, like, you know, I think I think you and I have talked about this. Like, if Henderson should come in immediately, you, <laughs> I mean, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and so timing is going to be everything here. What happens if Xavier Pinson comes in and he picks Arkansas, or he goes to Georgia or Nebraska, and then everybody's like, oh, darn!" It's like, well, you still got. I mean, you've you've got backup options at that point, and even not a backup option. Maybe your number one option is to get a guy sure. like Ty Ty Washington. Because here's the thing about Ty Ty Washington, he's really freaking good. Like, I mean, well, <laughs> Creighton, who you know, according to a number of metrics, was a, was a very good team this year. And like, there's a yeah. chance I don't. Okay, I don't know what their roster looks like, but I imagine he would have pushed for a starting position. Oh, there, he would have been. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they he, don't get five he, stars. Yeah. So I mean, that's. I, I'm the, no scenario at guard essentially right now after Auburn really was in a tough way at point guard this past season worries me. I think Auburn's going to be in a great spot in a few months. If you're a subscriber to the observer, you get this on Saturday morning after Sharif's decision on Friday. Um, I broke down five options who could be next for Auburn at point guard. And we mentioned a couple of them here. Um, Xavier Pinson for one. You can kind of read it there, and we have a, a breakdown of their games. Number two, of course, Ty Ty Washington, top 30 player in the country, number three point guard. He is the finalist for a National Player of the Year award for Max Preps. Uh, his numbers this season are dumb. Uh, let me pull them up here real quick to make sure that, that I get them correctly. Uh, Ty Ty Washington this season at Compass Prep in Chandler, Arizona. He's averaging 24.5 points, six rebounds, five and a half assists, and two steals a game. That's crazy good numbers. And to tell tell you how good this, you know, good the competition he's playing, uh, Compass Prep is, uh, I believe, they were number one in the country at one point. I think they might be number two right now in all of the country uh, in high school basketball teams. He's that good. Um, he and Scoot Henderson are both 
like they would be different type of guards that Auburn point guards that Auburn has had recently. Kind of the shorter, shiftier dudes. Quick. I mean, Tata Washington and Scoot Henderson are both extremely athletic, quick, explosive guys, but they're six three. You know, Jared Harper, Sharif Cooper, they ain't six three. Um, these are guys that that like to play above the rim. They like to attack. They like to use their their size and their length to their advantage on both the offensive end and the defensive end. They are decent shooters. I mean, go watch a go watch a, a Scoot Henderson highlight film. I mean, he 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 drops crazy amounts of points regularly. Like as a junior in high school, he's putting up fifty point games, and he and it's just a dunk highlight reel because he gets he gets going downhill and it's like well good luck I'm 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 going I'm going to the rack and you're gonna you, you know you're either gonna hop on board or I want to make you look like Corey Kispert did the other night um, for Gonzaga and you know I had to throw that throw that in there but um, <laughs> no I mean these guys are these guys are phenomenal athletes and they're and they're six foot three they're slick pla- passers and playmakers you know. They're guys that could have some versatility. They could play a little bit of the two. You would think, you know, depending on how your how your um, roster shook out in the future. But like both of them, you watch them on film. They are, you know, at, right now they are guys that you want to have the ball in here. The, you teams want them to be, and I think their college teams will be no different. Be the primary playmaker. Be be the guy who initiates the offense, makes things go, because. Not only can you score at a high level, you can get things going because you just you just have kind of like how Sharif Cooper and Jared Harper had when they were at Auburn. This gravitational pull that that really good point guards have. That when you're on the floor, defenses have to <laughs> cater to you, and then that only opens things up for everybody else. Well, it's curious too. In recent seasons, Auburn had the undersized but talented Harper, Javon McCormick, and then of course Sharif. And now it's like, oh, Ty Ty and Scoot are are both players that are very talented and also have some size. And uh, I mean, part of me just like, if you can get Scoot anytime you can get him, go ahead and bring him in. But also part of me goes, man, if you could bring in an experienced Penson to help Ty Ty kind of weather his freshman year, and then you bring in Scoot too in 2022, that to me is an exciting timeline. But I'm also like, if I'm Bruce, especially given the uh, lack of depth they had this season, you know, no complaints if you're bringing in, Henderson uh, and he reclassifies. I I really am. Some folks have asked me like, are you nervous about all this turnover? And and I can understand why they feel that way because I didn't expect there to be this level of turnover either, given what we thought most of this season about the youth in the roster. But I feel like this is Auburn not being complacent. No, no, they're, they're not. And I mean, guys like, Guys like Jamal Johnson, yeah. Guys like Jamal Johnson, Javon Franklin, they're leaving for better opportunities. Justin Powell, we will mention this in a little bit. <laughs> we'll find out what's going on there <laughs> at some point. But um, yeah, no, I mean you're not like I see several scenarios possibly happen. I could see Xavier Pinson coming to Auburn, you know, as as your number one guy, and maybe not. You know, maybe a guy like Ty Ty Washington thinks he could be one and done, or you know, mm-hmm. might just go somewhere else where he can be the starter right away. Who knows? Who knows what happens there? You know, you could just get one and then have Scoot coming next. Or, I mean, there's scenario B where you bring in a dude like Ty Ty Washington and then Scoot still reclassifies. And again, it would be very clear about the Scoot Henderson reclassifying stuff. None of that has been formally reported. Like, that has just been kind of like, oh, it's a possibility. You know, it's kind of been a... I think it's stronger than to call it a rumor. I just think it's just kind of some buzz. It's like, oh, this could be something, especially if Sharif leaves. Well, now Sharif's left, and we'll see. I mean, because he's awesome. Scoot Henderson's playing incredible basketball right now as a junior. I'll throw it all out the window if he wants to come play next year. Oh, for sure. For sure. You'll take him whenever you can get him, right? You'll take him whenever he, whenever he wants to come in. And even if it's a situation like J.T. Thor, is like, oh, cool, you're reclassifying. That means we can probably get you for an extra year. And if Thor just stays in the draft, it's like, ah, eh, well, nevertheless, like you just kind of you just kind of keep pushing ahead with it. But you're in a really good spot. And, and we say all this, there are two more guys that I put on that list. One of them, you know, committed elsewhere yesterday, Fats Russell, RIP to Fats Russell being an Auburn Tiger, because that would have been perfect yeah. for the name game. Um Fats Russell committing to Maryland, uh, uh, you know, go Terps and all that, all that jazz. Uh, Josh and Gianna probably celebrating that one. Um, but I want to talk about Wendell Green Jr. because 
Joe King in the non in the non elite prospect SEC player transfer. Like Wendell Green is a ball of fun on the basketball court. Uh, and like you said, Painter, the short king, 5'11". This dude last season was an OV, all-OVC first-teamer as a true freshman. Um, averaged 15-5 and five a game, almost 16-5 and five a game for an Eastern Kentucky team that went 15-5 and five in the regular, uh, in the in-conference play. Um, one of the top players in the country in assist rate. He shot 37% from deep. He shot 77% from the uh, free-throw line. Uh, he had 10 20-point games, including each of his last six. Uh, the only point guards in college basketball that ranked right up there in, in terms of generating offense last season were uh, Sharif, Cade Cunningham, Cam Thomas, and Jalen Suggs. This mm. dude at a smaller level was putting it up right there. And he's a perfect fit because you watch Eastern Kentucky play, you look at some of their stats, second fastest team in college basketball, one of the best teams in the, in the country at generating turnovers. They play like Bruce Ball on steroids, right? You put a guy in there who would just be like, all right, I know I know what I'm here to do. I've done this before. Bloop, drop him in there. Could be a situation if you got a say you don't get Washington. Say Henderson comes in later. If you get a Penson or you get a Green, like he would be and I know the step from Eastern Kentucky to Auburn and the OVC to the SEC is a jump, right? But uh, he is fun. He is really, really fun to watch. And I think in the SEC play where he doesn't have to shoot quite as much and he's got more talented scorers around him than what he did at Eastern Kentucky, I mean, this dude could probably tear it up. He is, I mean, go watch his highlight film. Wendell Green Jr. at Eastern Kentucky for a freshman in a, in a mid-major uh, conference last season. He was making dudes pay on the floor and, and just, just a ball of energy. He is... He is kind of like that Jared Harper type of type of point guard that Auburn has liked having there for a little while. I've been focused on this Pinson, Ty Ty, Scoot sort of trio, but I just mentioned the undersized guards that Auburn has had a ton of success with, and I I don't really care what level it was at. When you're putting up those numbers, please come play. Come play yes. on Dad's team. Um. So, I mean, Wendell Green's going to be a, a fascinating player to kind of watch. What was that? My daddy, I don't mean me. I mean Bruce Pearl. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you glad you clarified that. I didn't know if you had like a team that you were putting together on the side. And like we said, Fats Russell not not in the not in the mix anymore. No more no more Fats Russell um, going to Maryland. But uh, yeah, I like Wendell Green a lot. On uh, his film is great. His stats are great. With Pinson and Washington and Green and possibly Henderson reclassifying again, that's still up in the air. Auburn's not going to be running out of choices at point guard. We said this. We said this for a while. I mean, we said this as soon as Sharif started playing like a dude who was probably going to be at, going to the league next year. If something happens, if he goes, Auburn's not going to be running out of options. Bruce Pearl's going to have going to have some choices to go after. And I think the tie tie decommitment from Creighton, you don't usually have elite point guards, elite anybody this late in the game, still trying to make their decision about their about their you know career. You usually don't. Most of the time, all the all the elite. Basketball players have already been signed. I think Washington's one of the highest rated up there. Chad Holmgren still hasn't signed the the seven two seven three anomaly. Uh, they probably end up going to Gonzaga or playing in the G League. Watch out! This is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun uh, to see this this roster continue to come together. And there and there's and there's more right. Like Auburn is going after a number of forwards to kind of bolster that depth. And, you know, I think that makes sense with Javon Franklin being gone and possibly JT Thor moving on. Um, you want to be prepared there. You buying any of this Kessler smoke? It would make sense because Auburn does not have a dude quite like Kessler on their roster. Now, do they have really good big men? Yeah. I mean, Jalen Williams, you'll hear me say this. I think Jalen Williams was the MVP for Auburn last season. He's, he's a great basketball player that you can move around and do some different things with. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing him and Jabari Smith play together in front court. Um, but you know, if Thor leaves or even if Thor doesn't leave Jalen Williams, you know, he is more of a kind of stretchy kind of five. Um, you know, not that traditional scoring big man, that's what Kessler is. And that's not what Dylan Carwell is at this point. That's not what Stretch Akinbola is. So he would bring in a skill set that Auburn does not have. Now, I don't know where he would necessarily fit in the rotation. I know he's a former five-star that Auburn really, really wanted. 
when he when he's coming out, but like he's good. He is real good. And um yeah, there's some people there's some people uh like like our buddy Drew uh on on Twitter and Jay and those guys like that they're kind of saying like hmm, there might be some smoke here and like I would not be surprised at all because that is he is a guy that would I think transform Auburn's Auburn's front court and give him another weapon to use not to take anything away from Jalen and Dylan and, and stretch and um you know possibly JT if he comes back or you know what you're getting in Jabari but like it's hard to turn down five star talent especially if it's that tall he's huge Thorin's up going and you replace him essentially I know that it's not a like for like my point is, if Thor goes and you essentially replace that roster spot with Kessler, yeah, I'll be disappointed because like it's always going to be a question of wow, what could have been with Sharif right. and JT, both of them in year two, mm-hmm. and JT in particular is such a unicorn. Looking at what Bruce has done with a couple of players in year two, it's like God Almighty, I don't think anybody would have had an answer for him. And again, this is pure speculation. Maybe Auburn gets Thor back, but. <laughs> If I'm not going to get to see what I want to see, which is JT Thor playing year two with Bruce Pearl, about the best possible thing is bringing in the best player you've ever had, Jabari, and adding Walker Kessler. It would be a it would be a heck of a move. I mean, you don't want to know what upgrade, but if you're losing guy, if you're losing high impact guys to the NBA, which makes sense, go get your money. If you're good enough to play basketball and people will pay you for it, go do it. Bye bye. Yep. That's that's all good. I mean, if you want to make the best decision, stay in school, maximize your value, do all that. Like, I mean, it's all it's ultimately up to you. But if you come to the decision, it's like, hey, people will be willing to pay me to play basketball right now. I'm gone. I don't think you're gonna hear anybody around here uh, scoff at that's that, what, especially on this the, podcast. Yeah, uh, we are both pro get your paper, but I, get the thing with that I, money, I I am selfish. Like, I'm selfish in a lot of ways, and I'm especially selfish. As a fan, and I want JT Thor to come back because I right. think he makes the team a championship contender. If he doesn't, I still have really high expectations for this team. I actually do believe that he does himself a favor by coming back next season. Now we can yeah. get into the caveats of like the injury. And look, but- I think I, th- I think Sharif, I think Sharif would made, do, would have done a, himself a favor mm-hmm. coming back, and I think JT Thor would have done himself a favor coming back. But ultimately, it's, it's a risk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not altruistic. I actually do believe that they could do themselves some good by coming back because I think that it could be favorable for their draft stock. But that we're operating on a ton of unknowns. And yes. uh, at the end of the day, if if Thor should go, I will be sad, but I will also uh, I think I will be okay because Bruce seems to have this uh, have this thing under control. They're in the mix for a lot of options, and I will say this: Auburn is in starting to be in some rare air for this program in terms of bringing in talent to to be connected with this many five stars and former five stars and highly experienced transfer options that everybody's trying to go after right now. You know, that's just a sign of where the program is. And I know Auburn took a step back this season, and I know a lot of it was disappointing, and a lot of it did not go the way, the way you know, the trage- trajectory was supposed to be. And you can blame some of that on COVID, and you can blame some of that on the weirdness of the NCAA. But the fact of the matter is they regressed from where they spo- they're supposed to be. But you did see individual progress from a number of players on the team. They could continue to reload from their talent spot. And I think in some capacities, maybe upgrade certain positions of their team in certain in certain aspects um and uh still be a team that will be a contender in the sec next season all right we got to move on i just want to add like this was a result with a bunch of interesting nuance to it that at the end of the day was not a good record it felt very much like the auburn records of old with barbie and lebo but the difference is, one, you know that there is some nuance, but you know what? Throw nuance out for the moment because as a fan, yep. those fans don't really care. You're looking at the win, win-loss win record, and as I, to an annoying extent, harped on all year, your rivals surely don't care about the nuance. They're looking at the wins. Unlike Barbie and Lebo, I'm looking at next year going, oh my God, they can win the league. That was yep. never going to happen. It's just You just had a losing record in the past and then knew that next year wasn't going to get much better. Right. Right. For a team that's coming off of this season, I couldn't feel any more optimistic at the moment, especially given how dreary I was for like six weeks. 
it's still there's still a lot of things where this team needs to improve on. The guys who are coming back need to improve on, and and there's still a lot up in the air what this roster is going to look like. But like yeah. the potential is still very much there for this team. And and again, I mean, let's let's put it this way: you're talking about basketball a good bit in April, and I know part of it is because of football. You know, taking that week off of practice, and and you know, kind of the the newness there, and. You know, it's still COVID, and there's still not that that full blast kind of let's get into football mode right now. But which all we would be talking about is football, right? You know, you were talking about basketball right now, and that's not to say one way or the other is better, or you know, you're trying to outclass one or other. But it's like you're kind of becoming more balanced, right? As a, as as a, as a school, and for so long, so many people wanted that. Now you've got it, and you have reasons to be like that right now. And I think now the next step is for Auburn basketball to make this a consistent thing moving forward, um, you know, to be a team that contends consistently and brings in this talent and develops it at a high level. As for the football team, it's about getting back to that level again that they want to be and maintain it as well. So it's an interesting time to be an Auburn football fan. I know it hurts seeing how good Alabama is at things, but it's not going to last forever. How about that? How about I can, I can assure you that it won't last forever. Football, maybe, but... Even then, the you know the heat death of the universe might not be here for a while. Knowing um, the Nick should care of himself because I think he's going to live for a while. I mean, I yeah. don't want him to die. That seems aggressive of me, but that's very I aggressive. Mean, but also, let's be I very mean, clear. I, let's be very clear. That's way too aggressive. Yeah, respect to that guy. I just want him to retire, not die. Yes. Please go away and enjoy your lake house, sir. <laughs> glad we got that. Glad we got that cleared up before before Painter puts any uh, curses on people's yeah. lives. Why don't you why don't you tell tell the folks at home how they can continue to to support what we've got going on here and supporting the show? Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate those of you who are in the inner circle. Ferg's been yes. killing it with the stories, but thank you guys for your monetary support. If you're not in a position right now where you can commit to that, rate, review, and subscribe, folks. That helps us tremendously. Thanks for getting the word out. Absolutely, uh, inner circle. You can join us. We have uh, an extra podcast each week. Um, not just this free one you get on the weekends mostly, uh, but you will get a, a, another one as well sent straight in your email inbox, according with all, uh, including uh, all of my uh, uh, stories that we put up on Auburn football and Auburn men's basketball at the Auburn Observer. Sign up, auburnobserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year. Get in the inner circle. Have some fun. As Painter said, you need to rate, review, and subscribe if you want. It's the best way to help us out without costing any money. Um, we have gotten more reviews and more five-star ratings, and uh, we appreciate all of that. Remember, the rule of the game is this. If you give us a five-star review and you write out a review, you can only say nice things about Painter in it. We have done a much better job recently with people following instructions. And we've got two, Painter, we've got two new ones to read here on today's podcast. Are you ready for it? Let's get to it. This one comes from Mark Over the Top. Uh, he says, if Painter was actually a Painter... He would be able to paint in burnt orange and navy blue, and it would be in a museum because it's just that good. Subscribe to the man and support the Auburn Arts. Painter, there you go. That's the best well, way I think anybody's ever used something with your name because it's usually like, what? There. Yeah, pretty good turn of phrase. And this one is from, uh, it says FeminMW, so F-E-M-I-N-M-W. The review says, listen up. Painter's liquid hot magma takes alone are worth the price of the subscription. I agree. I love, I love to hear that because in a moment I think we're going to get into yet <laughs> another. I, I mean, I just want to point out, Berg, like we can run through them again. I don't know if you're ready to do this, but when you are ready, let me run through what I've gotten wrong in the last six months. <laughs> All right, so let's get to it. Uh, Painter, uh, run it down. Say it again. Take it from the top. I'll let you have the floor. Bo Nix, top four quarterback in the league. Did not happen. Auburn wins eight games in football. Did not happen. Auburn overachieves, and we were using Ken Palm as the metric. Overachieves in its conference record. Did not happen in basketball. Sharif Cooper is coming back. Did not happen. I think I'm leaving another one out, Ferg. Can you help me? I know I've got one more, though, for sure. And you, that were, is you were wrong on several games, I think. Auburn yes. was going to beat Georgia this year in football. This was the year. Yeah, I think there were several individual games that you that you struck out on the LSU game, most notably. Yes, in ba in basketball. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, Not that wasn't your finest hour. 
Nonetheless, I was certain, and I told any of you listening, that I would not hear any talk of Justin Powell going to Tennessee because he would be going to Kentucky. Ladies and gentlemen, would you believe it? I've done it again. (laughs) You know, I don't know if there were betting odds on where he would end up, but as soon as you said there's no way he's going to Tennessee, Vegas should have hammered. I mean, it should have just hammered the Tennessee, just the, the Tennessee line. Uh, oh, nothing, I can't even be embarrassed about it. I mean, it's just you people <laughs> are paying for this. I'm throwing you my garbage, and some of you seem to appreciate it. But yet again, it's an astonishing amount of incorrect takes over here. Uh, Justin Powell to the University of Tennessee. Uh, I said this on Saturday. Um, so you know, <laughs> this will only add more fuel to the rivalry between Auburn basketball and Tennessee basketball. And some of you correctly pointed out what rivalry is, what rivalry are you talking about? Auburn has owned Tennessee over the last few years. That is true. That's a hundred percent true, but nonetheless, uh, we all know the backstory. Yeah. We all know the backstory with Bruce and, and, and Tennessee. It seems to be, you know, we've said this about Tennessee for a while now. It seems to me that Tennessee gets the benefit of the doubt in the preseason and the projections and the hype more than Auburn does. And we even saw it the year that they tied, quote-unquote, for the SEC regular season title, despite the fact that they lost the regular season series. Um, you know, they still got the love, right? They still got the honors. They still got all, all, all that stuff. People will continue to promote you know, Rick Barnes is being awesome and he's a good basketball coach. You don't get to that point without being a really good basketball coach, yeah, but and they're consistent, you know, all that jazz, but like the little, the little thing, the postseason problems. Yeah, I mean, that's mm. significant. That's not, that's not nothing. It, it ain't great, but Auburn has done a really good job of beating Tennessee the last few years. And the fact that Justin Powell is going to Tennessee, a team that could not shoot and could not score this season. Um, shouldn't be surprising from a basketball perspective, but there was talk about him possibly going closer to home. Well, I guess technically he's a little bit closer to home now uh, in the fact that, you know, Knoxville is a few hours north of here. Um, this is, this is weird. This is a, this is a bizarre turn. Um, I don't know why you leave Auburn and you end up going to Tennessee. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, it's just, it did, it was not working out here for whatever reason. There are different theories and different, you know, things that people have said about it. All I know is this, that the coaching staff, Auburn's coaching staff did not really see this coming in terms of him leaving. And I don't think it was really expected that he was going to the university of Tennessee, um, from, from a lot of people around here, but he's there. So that'll be interesting. I think everybody will wait for SEC schedule release day to see when Auburn plays Tennessee this upcoming year and see if there's going to be one of those games in Auburn Arena because if it's in Auburn Arena and we are closer to a fuller crowd, oh boy, it's going to be interesting because that man went from a, that man went from a dude where it was like, I suggested that he might not start next year and I had a bunch of people get mad at me on Twitter to, oh, they turn on him real quick. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> the pivot happened hard. and uh, Some sort of, which is annoying in some ways, you know, when you come for your sports chatter, sometimes you don't want the, the medium takes or the nuance, but it was like, great player, had some really great strengths in areas that Auburn lacked this season, but also not irreplaceable. But there yeah. were a lot of Auburn fans that were, Powell was their favorite player on the team. Mm-hmm. And suddenly that is no longer the case. Nope. There, and as yeah. as out, like I have to say, I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I don't wish ill on the kid, but also like I said, I genuinely believe Auburn is making its roster better. Again, it, it's going to make the Tennessee thing a lot more interesting oh, when they play. Cause there's already some heat to that rivalry. And again, people will say what rivalry into that. It's I say, rivalry. you're right. I'm ribbing like that. It's not like Auburn, you know, the Auburn has had some success in a few seasons, but it's undoubtedly one that Auburn fans care about because Bruce. And I, will, and I will counter with this. I consider it a rivalry is the same reason Tennessee consi- considers Alabama a football rival. <laughs> it's lopsided, but they're still together. They're still, <laughs> they're still love sticking their fingers in Tennessee fans face every year after they beat the hell out of them. Like it, the fact right. that they've been doing it for a decade and a half doesn't change the fact that Alabama's nope. getting enjoyment out of winning that, just like Auburn fans are getting enjoyment out of that basketball win. As we talk about Alabama fans like we did in, in the last episode, like the Alabama fan bit of like 
Tennessee's actually our biggest rival. Like that's the kind of stuff that that you should lean into more. It's under Auburn fans' skin so well. It irritates people so much, and I'm sure there's some of them that actually believe it because, like, they wish. Uh, let's get back to the days when General Neyland was pacing the sidelines. But you know, like I, yeah, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> Tennessee, Tennessee football has been mostly a joke for the last really 15 years. So <laughs> I mean, it's the Don Draper meme. I don't think about you at all. And it's yeah. Tennessee's our biggest. Like that to me is how Alabama fans. <laughs> it's so be good. It's such a good bit. It's better than the. It's better than the, the. Why are you so happy that we lost in the Sweet Sixteen? It's like, yeah, yeah, the man. Like, I can't believe people would act that way about teams that they don't like. Right. Yeah. It should be more of the. It should be more of the like. We <laughs> Tennessee's the team. Yes, because we are winning championships yeah. every other season, and our coach is the best coach in not just modern history, but simply ever in college football. Auburn, Tennessee basketball is just going to get a whole lot more interesting yes. moving forward. I'm here for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people, I think, are going to embrace that. Uh, wrapping up this uh, this episode, like we said, we've got uh, stuff coming up this week on uh, on the football front um, with spring practice getting back underway, uh, position coach interviews, open practice. Uh, what's that? I know I know that the, the tactful answer is all of them, but of the position coaches, maybe is there one that you're particularly eager to hear from? I'm really interested in hearing from Cornelius Williams and I'm really interested in hearing from Nick Eason. If I had to pick one on each side of the ball, not to say, I mean, all of them are going to be interesting and and learn from Cornelius Williams though. is wider. He's inheriting a wide receiver room. He's got a lot of talent, but not a whole lot of experience. He's had to deal with some injuries already. You know, what's it like making this jump and doing all that? Cause it's been a whirlwind for him coming from Troy, Nick Eason, but like, you know, Coming from the NFL, what does he think about it? Oh, a, another dude who inherited a, a group with a lot of experience, but he's having to change a lot of stuff and teach a lot of new things because it's going to be fascinating. So a lot of football stuff coming up here on The Observer over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we did want to take this basketball uh, a basketball episode, but we've talked a lot of men's basketball. I want to mention uh, women's basketball because there was a hire made, and we usually focus just on football and men's basketball here on this program and on the website, but... Women's basketball, we, we talked about it when uh, when Coach Flo uh, was dismissed. What's next for Auburn women's basketball? Well, Saturday they make the announcement. Auburn has a new women's basketball coach, and it is Johnny Harris, uh, formerly the associate head coach at Texas, uh, and the big one for how it relates to Auburn, formerly the associate head coach at Mississippi State. She brings 16 years of experience uh, at three current SEC schools, Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State, coaching under Gary Blair and Vic Schaefer. She also spent a season working under uh, Kay Yao, I believe, at NC State. Um, worked her way up uh, at Arkansas Little Rock and uh, in Arkansas Fort Smith. She is an Arkansas native um, who, who played who, who played there for a while. Um, did not get an established head coach, but got a head coach who I think this is one of the most impressive resumes I think you can get of a, of a women's basketball coach. Cause if you can say, Hey, I was the number two in the ace recruiter for Vic Schaefer and helped Mississippi state go to two national title games. And Hey, I was on the bench when A&M won their national title. And Hey, you know, I got interviewed for the Mississippi state job and, you know, kind of helped Texas get things rolling this year. And they had their big upset win earlier this um, earlier this month, I guess a couple of weeks ago in the, in the NCAA tournament. Big big time hire by Auburn, and uh, that is a this is a uh, this is an exciting new era because this is Auburn Auburn prioritized not only SEC experience but getting the talent in that's going to make Auburn a competitive team. Only thing I'll add is this: I think that just like men's basketball, there is a real desire for this program to succeed, and it was hard to prove that point until Bruce was hired, and you could see it when he stepped onto the tarmac. And you could see it even when Auburn struggled through its first few seasons. Yep. But I think about Dewana Bonner's senior year and that crowd of 12,000 people in Beard Eves. There is absolutely a desire for this program to get back to what it once was. 100%. 100%. Um, I want to go back to something that friend of the uh, program and the newsletter, Jerry Hannon, put on Twitter. Uh, here's a little thread he put out after the after the hiring. He said, 
His first tweet was, comprehensive list of reasons that if Arizona women's basketball can beat UConn and make the national title game, Auburn women's basketball can't beat UConn to make the national title game, colon, blank. <laughs> His next tweet, the bar for Coach Harris isn't remotely this high, of course, but if Mississippi State and Arizona and multiple other teams that don't have Auburn's history can have the kind of success they've had, I refuse to believe Auburn can't be so much more than they have been. Here's the thing. Auburn's got a really good women's basketball history. They've got a pedigree. Look up at the at the Raptors and see the, the the banners hanging down. See the Final Four appearances. See the retired jersey. See players like Dewana Bonner. And you know what? She did not have a successful career in terms of wins and losses, but Unique Thompson, who entered the WNBA draft officially, um, is going to be right there with her. If Mississippi State and Starkville, Mississippi, can make it to two national titles... If Texas A&M can win a national title, and again, you know, Johnny Harris was the, was an assistant in both of those teams and ace recruiter, especially for Mississippi State. If those teams can do that, there's no reason why a place like Auburn, which has produced WNBA All-Stars and Olympians, and it's been a while since they've been at a high level, but it was going to Final Fours. There is a history there, and you, and they've got to be able to weaponize that. And I think getting somebody who can get who you know can bring in recruits and knows the landscape of this league and knows what it takes to build a championship caliber program in this conference. When she was at A and M, of course they were uh, in the Big Twelve, but you know carries over a little bit. Um, I, th- I I think that this is, could be the start of something really really big for Auburn. And then they could have gotten an up and comer and a program builder. And they could have, you know, swung and got an established head coach somewhere. But this is one of the top assistant coaches in all of women's women's college basketball. And that is a that's a that's a coup for Auburn. And it's just can you turn it loose? We're recording this as the women's national championship game is going on right now. Uh I am so sorry if I mispronounced her name, but I think it's Adia, Adia Barnes, uh the uh, Arizona women's coach who had the uh wonderful double birds uh celebration after they beat UConn in the final four. Um she was an assistant at Washington before she became a head coach at Arizona, right? Like she did not have any prior head coaching experience uh, when, when they hired her at Arizona and they're in the national title game right now and beat UConn. It is possible to build that. It is possible for, for teams like that to build that. And I just, it's going to be interesting to see if Auburn women's basketball can get to that point and what steps need to be taken to get to there. Cause I know there's some people who really, really care about it. Uh, they'll want to see it back at its, at its former glory. And like I said, if South Carolina can do it, if State can do it, if A&M can do it, if Arizona can do it this year, there's no reason why Auburn shouldn't. I like it. Also, I'm almost afraid to say anything about it, given what we what we joked about earlier. But I'm pleased with what Allen did with his decision. So we'll <laughs> yeah. you know, Painter's not trying to. You might want to bet against him, but I'm seriously like it for all the reasons she's been grinding for two decades, and she's been at a ton of places that have had success. So I don't, we've, we said this to a nauseating extent about football. And I think it also applies in this situation. Like you just don't know how these coaching hires are going to go, but you can convince yourself that this is about as good of a job as you could have done bringing in a, a fresh staff. Yeah. Yeah. And John and Johnny Harris, uh, painter does not want to curse her, her time at Auburn before it begins. So I, I appreciate, I appreciate that angle from him. Maybe I'll should... go back. Go ahead. <laughs> Just maybe I should, uh, I don't I don't want to. Yeah, that's all I can say is I don't want to ever win a game. <laughs> there you, there you go. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to something, though, that we talked about after uh, Coach Flo was dismissed. And it goes back to our buddy Justin Lee's column that he wrote at the OA News and somebody who has covered this women's program uh, recently and broke the story of Auburn hiring Johnny Harris. A shout out to him with the scoop. And it was the column he wrote right after it. Auburn needs investment and to be a really good women's basketball program getting a coach like johnny harris who knows how to bring the talent and knows what it takes to get that talent to an elite level that's important but auburn fans who want to be auburn fans and 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 i mean i'm not going to sit here and act like the women's basketball team is as big of a spectator sport as football is or even as men's basketball is at this point but for Auburn fans who want Auburn to be good at everything, because you tell me all the time that's what you want them to do. You want to beat Alabama and everything, and you want them to win championships and everything. And I get that. That's 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 part of being an awesome college sports fan and being 
you know, being supportive of all the programs. When we talk about this women's basketball team, the investment needs to come from the fan base right now. Bruce Pearl, because of his, you know, showman-like style, right? <laughs> he got people excited about Auburn basketball, got them coming to games when it was rough at the beginning. And they got people to buy in and got people to buy in. And when recruits came to Auburn Arena and saw the atmosphere for these games when Auburn wasn't that good yet, it brought in these ultra-talented players. It helped bring in these ultra-talented players that have built Auburn men's basketball into what it is right now. The same thing needs to happen on the women's basketball level, right? Buy in now. If you are committed and you want to see this basketball team, this women's basketball program, grow, you can help speed up the process right now by investing. If you're in the area, show up to games. If you're not in the area, come on down to, to have the games. I'll be interested to see what happens moving forward. I would I would love to see, the, the and it's not the best in COVID, obviously, and it's not the best you know economically for life. I would love to see them bring back doubleheaders for non-conference games. Yes. Have the women's team and the men's team play back-to-back. No bring brainer. in more eyeballs. It's an exception. I mean, Coach Flo, even the, even when they were not very good these last couple of years, it's an exciting product to watch. These this is good. These are good, exciting teams. And I think when you see Johnny Harris's track record, they're going to probably put that out there. But you need to invest in it right now because it's going to speed up the process. It's going to speed up the process to build it. And and we've seen this in other sports at Auburn. But fans need to be committed. I think fans need to be committed. If you can if you want this, to see this team succeed, give them your support. You know, it costs nothing extra to be a fan, um, you know, online, being being supportive in, in any way you can. And then financially, if you can come to games and give them that support, it is going to build a buzz and hopefully create a program that Auburn, one day, we could be sitting here a few years from now and talking about Auburn making another Final Four run, going deep in the tournament, winning an SEC championship. Because if Auburn men's basketball could do that with the way they came from, Auburn women's basketball could do the exact same thing. Here, here. All right. Well, that'll do it. That'll do it for this edition of the Auburn Observer Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Like we said, rate, review, subscribe um, to the podcast. Subscribe to auburnobserver.com if you can. You'll get all of this emailed straight into your inbox. Everything we write and everything we podcast, and you get that bonus podcast once a week as well. We will talk to you guys in a few days after we've done some interviews with the position coaches. A lot of stuff coming up on the website with spring practice getting back underway so you want to sign up for that until then painter your final thoughts my apologies for the record brentwood correspondent friend of the newsletter dave mckinney totally could have gotten into vanderbilt anchor down